With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Guys, welcome back to the Tennis.com podcast. This is Ed McGrogan catching up again with Steve Tigner um, after a little bit of a break, but uh, this is certainly the right time to get back chatting about the game. It's a it, you know it's a turning point from the hard court stretch to the clay um, with Miami just behind us now, Indian Wells just before that. But before we really get into any of those long-term talks, Steve, it's uh, really a, a pretty interesting weekend to. It's a pretty interesting weekend to go over from Miami, considering that the two world number ones won the title. And on the face value, you you might think that there's you know what more is there to say really about Novak Djokovic and Serena Williams. But you know I don't think I, I think the their matches and the way they played you know sort of like Federer was when he was winning and all these really these great number ones they give us something to talk about every every time yeah you know Djokovic it's you know it used to be that you talk about the Indian Wells Miami double it's one of the tougher tougher things to do is you know sort of equal of a winning a grand slam but Djokovic you know he you know you almost expect it from him now he he's done it three times the first player to do that he's done it two years in a row um he was definitely challenged at you know at this tournament, but there's nobody, you know, right now. You know, he beat Federer in in Indian Wells. He beat Murray in Miami. Rafa is probably not is not exactly, you know, it's not where he wants to be at the moment. You know, Djokovic is you know he's won Australia. He's won these two, so he's he's alone at the top. And the same for Serena. You know, I don't know if I can remember a time when Serena was was so far ahead. And, you know, in any given moment, so far ahead of of the rest of the of the rest of the women's tour, she's you know she's always been the player to beat. But but right now, you know, the only player who's the only other player who had a good sort of last month was Simona Halep, who who definitely challenged her in Miami. I don't know if you can, I'm not ready to call her a rival of Serena's, but but you know everybody else seems to be stagnating a little, and 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 Serena you know keeps going forward. She's I just realized this weekend that since start of 2012 she's 236 and 12 which which that's, if she can you know yeah. if that would give her the highest that's higher than anybody higher winning percentage than anybody's ever had in there for a complete career obviously and probably up there with any four-year period anyone's ever had yeah and uh and you had some good remarks i think in, in your report about serena comparing her at this stage of her career to where she was Ten years ago, and her saying, you know, that she was pretty good back then too. It, it's really a, uh, it, it's really a career that you know, obviously is going to be, is going to be in the record books forever, and is going to be, is going to be one that will probably will, 
you know, like most things, kind of appreciate more as, as time passes along. I think you could say that for both of you know both of these champions here. And you know, when you raised the question or really made the statement that you know Serena at 33 is as far ahead of the of the WTA field as she's ever been, you know, I I got thinking about that again yesterday. You know, how far ahead do you? Is Novak Djokovic, you know, it's not to the same degree, but is he as far ahead of the ATP field as he has ever been in his career? You know, the gap certainly is different between the two. I don't think anybody would say otherwise. But, you know, is Djokovic really at kind of the absolute height of his powers thus far? And, you know, everyone else is is certainly farther off than they've been. It does seem to be. You know, Federer said that Djokovic is in his absolute prime. He said that at Indian Wells. I thought thought that was quite an admission, actually. Djokovic didn't, you know, Djokovic didn't disagree with that. He said he's he's in his prime now. He's going to turn 28 next month. You know, we've seen with Federer and Nadal, that can be the start of, you know, that can be the end of their prime. That can, you know, sort of start to be the beginning when we start to see some, you know, see them lose some matches they hadn't lost in the past. Um, but you know you don't you don't really imagine that happening to Djokovic within the next year. Like he's 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 as strong physically obviously as he's ever been. He you know even though this is one of the more physical months, um, there was nobody younger who really came along and and showed that he's in better shape or or showed that Djokovic might be possibly getting old. You know he, Djokovic is is is. Um, sort of as solid as he's ever been. And I think I think that's true. I think he's about as you know, Federer is there with him. Federer's beaten him this year. But um but Federer's also older. There's nobody Novak's age, Murray and Rafa right now who who seem who who are really there with Djokovic at the top of the game. And I guess and I guess the only real negative you might be able to to derive from all that is that you know, with another astoundingly good spring and, you know, really winter of success for Djokovic, you know, remember he, you know, even dating back to last year, he's, uh, you know, he won the World Tour Finals. He won the previous Masters before that in Paris. Um, the only thing it does that, you know, could be perceived as something of uh, a negative is that it just only intensifies the pressure on him to really get it done this clay season to get the French Open title that eludes him to to get the career slam and then I you know I, I think the perception is that is that once that is sort of freed off him I mean a lot of people you know, not that Djokovic has ever been held back by anything before but you know if, if it's possible to make Djokovic even looser and more dangerous as a player you know that could even be it there but but I, I do think the point is that, you know, as as great as Djokovic is being as a number one, he's obviously very comfortable at the top. I think that is a, you know, the 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 ability to stay in the top ranking and still play your game and still play it the way you you've been able to. You know, not every tennis player has shown they can do that. He's managed to not only get to number one, but he's managed to hold it down and for quite some time now. Um, but I do just wonder if this, if, if, and we say this every year going in the clay season with him, because it feels like Djokovic has progressively been gaining on Rafa, but has never been able to pass him at the finish line. Yeah. I don't know if it's a negative this time 
I mean, it's true that probably the last three years and probably this year you would make them, right now, you would make them the co-favorites for the French. You know, Rafa is always favored to win the French, but but just judged on form and um, you have to put Djokovic there with him. Um, I think, you know, I think, I don't know if it's a negative that he's that he's played so well. I think it just comes down to, you know, he'll have his some ups and downs over the next couple of months before the French Open. It will probably come down to, as it has the last few years, just if he plays Rafa at the in the French semis or final, does he just believe that he can win that match? You know, that's the one match he's shown that he just doesn't yet quite believe he can win. Is it, you know, will it, will it take somebody else knocking off off Nadal the way it did for Federer. Um, we'll see, though. You, know, you start to feel like, you do feel like it's inevitable that one of these years he's going to win the French Open. And the one thing, and, uh, you know, one other thing I would say to kind of, you know, make sure I really come across as, as Djokovic is doing, has done everything to the best of his ability and has done it fantastically, is that I think this year, you know, we have he has a year he has a full year with his coaching with um with Boris Becker helping him out i think the wimbledon win of course is a yeah you know, these things did not did not materialize into into the comfort that i think we're seeing from him now until he got past that wimbledon final last year and and i think that will only sort of embolden him and kind of help him along in this journey um, you know, in Paris when it comes down to it, because no matter, really, no matter what kind of transpires during this clay season, it it seems, you know, the word inevitable that you bring up there. That's that's really what this will boil down to. This kind of is, uh, you know, as much as the men's tour really over the past, I think, you know, year and a half, two years, has developed, you know, another really generation of exciting younger players. And we're still seeing what Federer can do um, as he's moved into his really close to mid-30s. You know, that sort of inevitable discussion will come to pass. And uh, and it's going to be, you know, the story of the tournament to see if Djokovic can answer it, really. So, um, you know, I, I think with that, we'll kind of leave our congratulations to Novak because he really hasn't doesn't have to prove anything, of course. But... Uh, Let's kind of go to the uh, last player he beat, and that's Andy Murray, who kind of got a sort of a rude send-off to his uh, wedding from from Novak uh, with a a 6-0 third set after um, you know after what looked like really what looked like it could develop into a really pretty pretty nice third set, and that you know this is just what happened at the Australian Open, as many people have pointed out. And for many of the past matches between Murray and Djokovic, you know, oddly enough, Murray's only two wins over Djokovic in their last 12 have been the, the, the two major titles he's won. But, you know, where do you, I guess, you know, we try to think about things to say with the world number ones. What do you kind of say for Andy Murray now? Because we've heard this story told many times, too. Yeah, you know, I think most people would be happy with the last month that Murray's had. He made the semis in Indian Wells. He made the final in Miami. He only lost to Djokovic. Um, he's also coming off the Australian final, but at the same time, you know, it, I think Murray has been in a place where he's, you know, he has been in a, 
in a better place in the past. You know, he's not like most other players. He's beaten the big three in the past. He's won Grand Slams in the past. And now he's he still is a step below that. He's 0-12 against Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer since having split back surgery in 2013. So I think I thought winning this match, if he, you know, if he's ever going to get back to to that level where he was, winning this match would have been a step in that direction. And he did play well, but but it ended up being the same problem, not just with beating Djokovic, but I felt like Murray, like at the Australian Open, you know, he's always we we always know he's he can get negative and he's he's never going to be cheerful on the court. But I felt like it really has hurt him in the Australian Open final and this final in a sense that he just, you know, you see Djokovic on one side get angry and then let it go. But you see Murray get angry and then continue to be continue to be negative or, or let that affect him for a longer period of time. Um, it's, so, not a, it's not a release of that frustration. Right. I think right. this, this tournament this month is good for Murray. It's, he's better, better in a better place than he was a year ago. But he still has to take a a next step if he you know to, you know if, if we're going to see him where he was in 2000 you know before 2013 yeah and um and w- as we as we run back toward the the Novak Djokovic casualty list the man before that John Isner um th- this match i feel like we we've see it's either in Indian Wells or Miami or Cincinnati these two, these two have tended to collide in the past in these later rounds. Here, um, Isner has won a couple of them. He won, he beat Djokovic and Andy Wells three years ago. He beat, um, he beat Djokovic in Cincinnati, I believe, two years ago. Um, it was not to be this time. Um, Djokovic just, you know, his best shot, the return, you know, just fantastic against, you know, the I, I think pretty much the best server in the game um for isner you know you wrote a little about this about really kind of a, a you know a complete turnaround after a very poor start to the year in particular his run in davis cup um you know for for isner i i before the match with djokovic i was almost thinking that if, if he were somehow to get through djokovic that i i would you know i think that frees him a lot he could have played murray i think i think that could have almost been considered perhaps the biggest US win in since the Roddick days but um but for um for Isner overall I mean you you can't by any means complain about a semifinal run at this event after a you know a nice run to Indian Wells and you know we're never going to put Isner in these discussions of the players that we've been talking about for the first 14 minutes of this podcast but uh but as he had gets toward 30 years old, which is happening very soon. You know, this was a really nice run for him, too. Yeah, I think we're back on an upswing for Isner. We, you know, every couple of years, maybe every year, this happens at some point where he shows a lot. It's, it's you know, usually... He's just, he's just he, his weapon is too potent to not make an impact at right. some point. Right. right. He's usually, you know, usually happens in the U.S. Usually happens when it's two out of three sets rather than three out of five. Um... But that you know, this is when he does his damage, and 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 you know, it's good to see him. He, you know, he feel it seems like he's positive at the moment. He he's you know he says and acts like he knows how he wants to play. He's just sort of more relaxed and 
and just sort of swinging away and, and trying to use what he does well, which is to power the ball past the guy, past the other guy, and not have to run a lot. Um, but I, I think even beyond the results, the, the way he talked about you know, where he is and, and, and how he's feeling going forward, how he feels um, about his own game, he seemed a little more sure of himself than, than we've seen in the past. I think you know, now he'll have to go to Europe and he'll have, and we'll see what he does in the Grand Slams when it's two out of three, or three out of five. Sorry, um, but but um, I, I do feel like this run could last, a, you know, a little longer than what we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, with that, I, I think we could turn over to um, you know toward the women's side of of, of Miami here, the game itself. Um, and what we saw, as we said, Serena, of course, taking this title, not an unfamiliar title by any means, eighth Miami title, um, coming off of a, uh, a withdrawal in Indian Wells. Um, she actually, you know, she gets the the semifinal that we uh, that we didn't see in Indian Wells against Simona Halep. Um, but even so, I think I think the point um, you made really about the distance between Serena and the field is is one that I I found really the most interesting takeaway from from this weekend and how you know Serena coming off you, you would say you would have to say she would be considered vulnerable to in whatever state in whatever degree you want to call that if if she pulls out of an event a week before but proceeds to go through this tournament you know obviously unbeaten and that is, as we say, to take nothing away from her, but I think we also have some thoughts, perhaps questions really about really the rest of the field. Um, I think Simona Halep we can exclude from that discussion, maybe, but maybe not. I think you were a little bit, you had some thoughts about her as well, but but really the the meat of the, of the competition for Serena in the top ten a number of these players came into 2015, I think, with a lot of expectation, ranging from Petra Kvitova. I think it was, you know, the biggest potential uh, had the biggest potential for growth this year. Uh, Wozniacki had a really nice start. Um, Ivanovic finished in the top five last year. Bouchard had a great season. Radwanska, new coach in Navratilova. Uh, it goes on and on. Almost, you can almost find sort of disappointment with the play of the rest of the field here, and maybe that's where we should start with the women's discussion. Yeah, that's one thing to say. One reason I would say that Serena's farther ahead. Not only is she playing well, but everybody else seems to be stagnating at the moment. Sharapova had a good Australian Open, but now she's had a bad spring. Radwanska's down to number nine. She's basically 500 for the year. Bouchard is getting used to a new coach. She's had some injuries. She she hasn't she hasn't done much. Um, Wozniacki won a small tournament, but but hasn't hasn't had good results at the bigger events. Anna Ivanovic is is definitely in a slump this year. And as you said, Kvitova didn't even didn't play either of these two tournaments. So you know I don't know what that I I would assume that that's going to change, and and some of these players will will straighten things out. You know. Like you said, there's there's new coaches involved in a lot of these situations, um, but you also wonder is and then and Halep is somebody who who seems ready to challenge Serena, who who 
has seemed to have a turnaround after the Australian Open in, in her attitude and sort of her determination. And she's she's also good on clay, so she'll be somebody to watch. But I was going to add that yeah the uh, the fact that you know so many of these players that we've that we've mentioned I think have very good clay court credentials. I think that will uh, I think this change of surface is very opportune and. Um, you know, I, I think that could be sort of the fuel that uh, that kind of gets a lot of these women going back to where we believe they should be. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope that's true. I think that's also true for Azarenka, who who is somebody who can challenge Serena. Her not being there is 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 a big deal at the moment. She, I think she'll, I do think she'll continue to get better and and get herself back into the top five. Um, but I've been a little bit bit surprised that that she hasn't done better so far this year um but i guess you know with like djokovic with serena you sort of wonder what what younger player is ever going to come along to beat them not even knock them off but what younger player is going to come along to really seriously challenge them it doesn't it's hard to imagine with on either tour right now um somebody to see anybody younger who who will offer you know offer a serious challenge to Serena or Djokovic? Yeah, uh, I think a good way to to back that up is you consider that uh, you know of the top, I would say of the WTA's most impressive players over the first four months of the year, you know two of the top five have to be Serena Williams and Venus Williams because of uh, and. 33 and 34 um, years of age, so it, you know it's it really has been a um, really a continuation instead of a, a change from what we've seen before. Um, you know, Carlos Suarez Navarro, the finalist who we haven't brought up yet, she makes her way. You know, with the finalist run here, gets in the top 10. This is you know not exactly you know one of the rising stars of the tour. It's really someone who I think through a lot of persistence has belted her way in there. You know, the person she beat to even get to the final was Andrea Pekovic, who, you know, who took out um, Karolina Pliskova in the round before that. So, you know, a lot of this term, if you kind of deep, dig through the draw, is is really many of the young talents who, who I think, for, who for good reason we have... Um, discussed while we talk about the women's game over the past year um you know it it could certainly just be this tournament i think you know miami is always going to be more is always going to be a, a tough one to to break through at because of the history of it involving um the williamses of course but but as you say um you know as the younger players really didn't kind of come through in this event and really at this moment we can't really see when they will um, you know, is a good good run for the old guard, of course. Yeah, I think with both sides right now, you, you know, you don't want to start talking about who's going to win the, the calendar year Grand Slam, but but Djokovic and Serena are in. You know, they each of them won Australia, obviously. You know, they're that that's not a ridiculous thing to think, just in part because of the because of the lack of of a you know having a number of of challengers around them at the moment yeah and you would also say that the French should be the hardest well you would consider the French to be the hardest step for both of them so we will um you know we'll see where where things uh you know where the dust settles really after that event but you know after that point I think you I think you do uh 
you, you will see that discussion if, if either of those happenings come to pass there. Um, and I, th I think, uh, yeah, I think with that, I think we'll kind of wave goodbye to the hard court season. Steve, you will uh, have some grades really for the you know the past month in Indian Wells and Miami. You know, I, I can uh, I think most of you can surmise who we'll be seeing at the top of that list. Um, you may have forgotten some that will be at the bottom of that list because uh, uh, in this discussion we just you know not a good showing in Miami. Indian Wells, um, but it'll be all in Steve's report card, which will be coming out very shortly on Tennis.com. I suggest you check that out and everything else coming forward in the next couple of weeks as we make our way to the clay. So, Steve, thank you. We'll get back together next Monday on the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.